This is a Crib Room podcast. Core Components, bringing you industry news, views and happenings. Malcolm Major is Business Line Manager, Loden Hall with Sandvik Mining and Rock Technology. He stepped into the crib room to have a chat with us today about underground Loden Hall, automation, which is almost changing as the days go on, and his favourite, it's the BEVs. We'll get to that in just a few moments with the Z50 and the showcase that's been happening around Australia. Mal, thanks very much for your time and joining us here in the crib room. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, how has 2020 started for you? We're into May now. How's it been treating you? you and this Sandvik team, dare I say the C word, COVID-19. <laughs> Can we have a conversation without the C word? <laughs> yeah. Possibly not. But it, it was an interesting, it's an interesting start to the year because um, it's not a traditional start. There was a lot of gold tenders. Um, there was a lot of other tenders coming up. So it was looking pretty positive. Uh, lots of hype in the industry. And, uh, and then it really turned pear-shaped. And um, uh, well, it turned pear shape for us that works in the office and closing down and fly and fly out. So, uh, it, yeah, it's really, really different, you know. And, and my boss, boss has probably got one of the best phrases there. And it's, um, it's business, just not as usual. So, uh, it's not all bad, but it's just very, very different. Do you think that that's going to change for Sandvik because you've, you spread right across the countryside? Uh, do you think these sorts of changes will be taken on into effect and, and you know, using some of those auto mine features and some of those other automation features that you've got? I suppose um, you, you were doing it to a degree, but it, it's ramped up recently in the last three months. Yeah, th- there's been a lot more uh, interest in it, let's say, because there's um, there is some great opportunities there to to really capitalise on the automation and to say automation doesn't take um, jobs, you know, it, it gives jobs in, in other areas. But, and, you know, this um, automation truck, automation loaders and that, you're taking people away, you've got less uh, people interacting essentially. So I think, uh, you know, you're going to have um, um, a far greater impact. And I think if anything COVID has taught us, you know, you know we're going to step out of our comfort um, areas and do something different. And this has been really good for us to have a look at. Mel, before we knuckle down on a few aspects and some machines or models, a pretty broad question for you. How much work is happening to increase payloads, decrease operating costs, and at the same time ensure safety of operators? It seems any OEM would be doing the same thing, but how are Sandvik trying to address this? Yeah, and it's an interesting question because um, the first thing you hear is we want to increase payload, but um, increasing payload, you're going to still stick in that same um, small underground environment. Uh, you're either going to be wider or longer or higher, so it, it, it's a it's a bit of a hard way um, to look at it. And plus, majority of our you know work that we see is um, um, the focus on underground is a lot of it is in gold. So it's a lot of light SG. So you know it, it might not not be so heavy, but there's still a lot of dirt on the back. So you know, so there's a potential there to be smarter in the way you do your boxes on trucks or, or your your buckets, um, you know, fit that profile a little bit differently and, um, you know, arrange things a bit differently. So there's always opportunities for improvement when we go through our newer models. Uh, going fast is, is, is another challenge. There, um, we all look at it because you can either put more on the back or go faster. Uh, and it's not, not always um, the same. It's not always easy. So uh, it's it's always a struggle. 
uh, in that respect. Refining your drivetrain and your suppliers happens pretty regularly. Is there a way to explain why there isn't that sort of standardization that's been happening with Sandvik of recent times? For instance, there was Detroit engines, Cummins. you now got the Volvo engines in the 663i. Yeah, and uh, well, it's no surprise that uh, we don't make engines, drivetrains uh, and, and all that type of thing, axles. So I guess we get to go out there and, and shop and get the best um, that's out there. You know, we've gone through all the engines. Uh, we've um, settled on Volvo for the, uh, for many years now, and we've got it up to the high horsepower units as well. So, you know, you start with a, a reliable, clean engine, and that's what we're all looking for. And, um, you know, a big discussion at the moment is nano particulates or diesel particulates. Depends on um, where you are in that journey. So then um, uh, that's always a discussion there. Uh, you go through the drivetrains. We've we've now upgraded from uh, in the in the transmission from um, Allison um, up to to Dana as well, and that is really a a partnership, you know, because you're in this small confined area, and they really wanted to work with us to give us something a little bit, um, you know, you know, you know, same profile, but you know, more refined, smoother, more reliable, all these types of things. So. Uh, it's an interesting discussion um, when you get into that, um, into those areas, you know. Well, we're not going to go too technical today, Mal, but we, what we are is going to cover off some of the range and, and look at some of the products. And we're going to start off with the 621i. Um, it's in play in a lot of the larger mining companies, and there's some pretty decent hydraulic power in there for the 21 metric ton. Uh, what's the best draw card that you've found and some of you, y- your clients have found with the 621i? Yeah, and, you know, when you're starting to clear a face, you're trying to, um, you know, get that jumbo back in front of the face. So you want the biggest loader um, in the smallest profile. So um, that um, 621, you know, it picks up half Australia when it, when, it, when it picks up a load of dirt and, um, and it moves it pretty quick. So there um, really turns that face around really quickly, jumbo back in there. It's all about metres advanced. Um, at the end of the month or the, or the end of the day, the end of the end of the um, the fly and fly out period for people to get paid. So uh, that's the biggest draw card. What about operator efficiency? That's got to come to mind as well. There's so many extra safety features and uh, sensors and all that extra fruit that gets applied. It's all about keeping the operator safe as well, isn't it? There's a long history and, and some follow the history and some look at it positively and some look at it negatively. But um, we've gone off the, um, the the 621 Classic, essentially, that was in the market here for a long time uh, and taken all the, the, the best parts of those, added into the 621i, uh, but also went back to the users of the product and, and find out what they like, what they didn't like, what they wanted going forward. So, you know, that operator comfort, the air con, the, um, you know, all the, the maintainability, um, total cost of ownership has all been addressed uh, in, in the 621i. And, and that was relaunched there uh, last March in Australia. Mm. Onto the TH range, and that's the underground trucks, the 663, the 551, 454, um, 545, I should say. Uh, the I-Series, the, I suppose when it comes to the I-Series, and we're going to probably talk a bit more about that in some depth, but the availability of data is absolutely massive. And with the I-Series and the add-ons and the options that can be tailor-made to those, it just helps to make a much better product and, and to increase that productivity, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, that's you know, we all talk about digitalization and data-driven, um, um, you know, decision-making type of stuff, you know, and that's uh, they're all on CANBAR systems. You know, you've got everything is essentially measured today. So, uh, and then the next step is then is to measure that. So, and then we go into our OptiMine suite of products. 
So there's um, there's a lot of good work uh, done there and there's various levels you can get uh, from that and um, to the extent where you can, you know, get down to that um, overall equipment efficiency and, you know, really filling in those gaps of what's happening during the day and uh, and really utilise the, the equipment um, as much as physically possible. Quick question, uh, when it comes to your underground trucks, what's the ratio of the ejector to the dump varieties? What's Have you got those details off the top of your head? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's not a big ratio in, in that respect, you know. It's probably um, um, 40 to 1 type of scenario there. It's um, they're quite specific in their, in their nature. And there's only a few mines around that are, that have got them these days in very specific environments. So um, yeah, we've we've only got a you know a dozen or so of those in the country at the moment. Okay, and at total ownership costs or rather maximum profitability for clients. It's a major factor to drive Sandvik. But what further innovations in the dump truck sector can you probably see around the corner? I guess it's around you know the um, the environments that they're working in. So uh, if you can keep a machine cool, you know it, it you know enhances the life of you know pumps and drive trains and and everything along the way and brakes. So um, the more information you can get. Um, and, and, you know, help the operators on if there's a certain hill where they're coming down and using the brakes and, and if there's some smarter ways you can control the engine or, you know, apply brakes in a different way or, um, you know, this is about helping the users of the product and, and not penalise them if they break them, you know, really learn together. So that some of those uh, is a really, you know, some of that unfortunate failure modes during the months it, it really kicks in if you can prevent all of that the rest takes care of itself over to automation it's a pretty big subject to talk about we'll break it down a little bit but from your analysis here mel are trucks becoming purely robots <laughs> um are they becoming purely robots definitely not there's still i mean they're always going to i come from a trade background so there's always going to be a tradesperson um, that needs to, to to fix them there's always going to be someone that needs to grease them uh, all that type of thing there's the, the truck uh, when they're operated uh, don't really know whether it's a um, a person in it or not uh, but you're still going to have uh, you know people being able to program them put them in where they need to be uh, you, you're never going to get a, a, an occasion where you're never going to have to operate a, a truck or a loader um, that's a that's a long way away um, in our environment but um, the more you can operate it via a um, by the computer essentially it stays off the walls they don't have bad days and then um, when we talk about our total cost of ownership you take that damage away and that um, uh, it really does uh, impact that total cost of ownership mm. but definitely not going to turn into robots you know they um, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't call them that <laughs> auto mine it's been a revolution it's assisted operations with safety performance increased production and better control it can be single machine multi-machine so many different applications Mel, just to help our podcast family understand where AutoMine is and perhaps where it will go in the next little while, because I'd imagine there's so much research and development that's occurring within the automation environment. Yeah, so we've been in this, um, well, say, truck automation uh, for many years. You know, it goes back to um, to the mid two thousands, and uh, that was so we got into fleet automation before we got into single machine automation. And so we came, we approached it from a different direction than most. So uh, we had multiples running around um, before we had you know, singles. 
So we come down from that into uh, a single automation for um, for a single unit, and, uh, and and now branch that out into multiple. So, and essentially, you can have um, today a person sitting on the surface and operate a fleet of loaders or a fleet of um, trucks, uh, or you can have them operating a fleet of loaders operating um, around a fleet of trucks and having one chair looking after them all. You know, it's uh, and then down to um, down to a guidance system, uh, essentially, but we call it tally remote um, on a on a simpler system, easy to set up that type of arrangement. But there, um, the the, uh, the flexibility to have one chair operating a truck or a loader uh, is is pretty cool. On to something that you're really are very excited about, and that is the battery electric vehicles. You've been showcasing the Z50 around the place. That's part of the Artisan range, which Sandvik acquired early last year. What's been some of the first impressions from people when they see what the Z50 is all about and how it can optimise performance? It is one of my favourite subjects. Um, it's, a, it's a really cool tech um, that we've, we've got a hold of there now. Um, this this was we rescued this from a, a near on total disaster. So um, this, this started out at our digitalisation event uh, last December, and the truck was going to be launched there. The Z50 was going to be launched there, and um, it was all going to be roses, you know. Uh, but it ended up being uh, the the actual boat got an infestation of stink bugs, and hence the truck was late, which so couldn't showcase it. So we've we've got stuck with this truck, not knowing what to do. Um, but what was what was made very clear in that time that people really wanted to understand uh, that unit and uh, and to see where the technology was. So uh, we showcased it in Brisbane, Orange, Adelaide, Kalgoorlie, and Perth. And, and you know one of the standout things here is that um, people uh, everyone's BV curious and want to try and understand that. And uh, but the standout thing is was um, the people really didn't understand how uh, far the um, technology had come. So um, so seeing that, feeling that, asking those questions, get more familiar with it, uh, they they really enjoyed that in interaction. And, and you can really then start to visualise um, a, a battery truck or battery loader in their mind in the near future. It was pretty cool. It was, it was good to see some people um, really try to process that. I've seen some of the videos and some of the uh, the quick takes on things like 10-minute charging process or or having that charging process take place during shift change and, and getting around on, on one particular battery. is There's a lot of advantages here to keep the mine running, uh, especially if you've got blasting conditions that are happening underground. You can keep that truck going that whole time, not have to worry about too much. The batteries, um, onboard batteries, and like the Z50, you can change that battery out uh, from a depleted battery to a charged battery within six minutes. It does it itself you know there's no one uh, in that working area so that's um, a pretty cool part the next part of that is to automate it and that's what we're seeing now is that transition from battery units to um to automation and uh, and that will be a um uh, a link to the to the future they're um, on the loaders as well they uh, they, they change out uh, those just as quick and uh, for the same deal you know they're highly productive and um you know having those things silently run around your mine you know no heat no exhaust um, uh, no fans uh, trying to blow you out of the decline as well, no pushing up dust. Uh, it is pretty incredible to see them. Has it got some of the safety features when you mentioned that they're so silent? If there's personnel working around, has it got a safety feature on it to recognise that there is actually a human that's that's in the way? 
<laughs> there, um, that's that's all available today. But we're um, in the current mines. They're looking at those possibilities. You know, they've got some pretty bright lights on them. They've got uh, for the um, beacons on them as well. So you can hear the crackling of the um, the rocks as they drive over them, and uh, and you can you can still hear them, but not as you would expect to hear them. Uh, in today's environment. Yeah, we're probably a long way off from having electric trucks on our roads as opposed to the diesel road trains and the things like that. How much has gone into the the BVs, as you call them? Uh, how much has gone into that to ensure that we can get a lot of power out of them and and I suppose a lot of torque at the same time? Yeah, the, so the artisan guys have been in this business um, since early 2000s. You know, they did um, a whole lot of really cool stuff, you know, military stuff, scooters and 1,000-horsepower thou- uh, race cars, and uh, they started and then get into the mining industry and, and where they really saw this application, you know, benefiting in their environment. So uh, so they've, they've got a lot of experience. So they've, um, for the, the talk that comes out of them, the um, the reliability out of those batteries has come a long way. It's uh, it, it's pretty impressive, and I think uh, you don't realise it until you actually sit in them how powerful they are. Uh, a similar feel to what you would get out of a um, you know like a, a a battery car today, similar like a Tesla. Mm-hmm. There um, you'll get out of those vehicles, you know, and uh, they've had to be backed off because they're so talky. It, it's pretty impressive. Talk to us about the the added feature of the re- regenerative braking because this helps make the machine more economical. Yeah, so everything we do now with batteries uh, is obviously going to be regenerating now. So um, yes, traditional mines for us in Australia they um, they're all generally going up a decline. It's generally a long decline. Uh, that's another discussion. But uh, when you come down, uh, it's always going to regenerate. Um, it's going to regenerate more with a um, with a full load on the back with all that kinetic energy. Uh, however, if it's um, unloaded, it still has a, a percentage that it can charge back. Uh, it's, it's never going to recharge 100% in, in those certain applications, uh, but it, it is going to regenerate. So that's what we need to... And it's not thinking about what a future mine will look like. If it's a shaft, you, you would try and haul downhill into a shaft. And, and, and recycle that way. Mel, just from your analysis of talking to your clients, talking to the people on the ground, where do you see the next three years? Are mine operators becoming a lot more savvy in all of the items that we've spoken about, You know, the automation, the, the Optimine sort of uh, process where there's a lot of data being driven and we're probably looking at data-driven mining, to be honest, uh, and uh, uh, operator safety. Is there still a lot of scope for that to happen over the next three years or is it going to move pretty quickly? Where do you see it happening? Yeah, so the next three years is going to be interesting. You're going to have um, some early adopters on battery electric vehicles and you're going to start to see them uh, move in to um, not necessarily take over a mine, uh, but you're probably going to see them solving problems in uh, ventilation or ventilation um, restricted areas. So uh, where the areas are constrained, it'll be more um, pushing it that way. You know, you've also got a, a situation now where you've got mines starting to get solar, they're starting getting wind farms and on that type of thing as well. So um, this really is the full package to start adding them in. Uh, you start that with battery storage, and it starts to get really attractive because we're at the, the total cost of ownership now has already been met um, with the with the um, the diesel equipment versus batteries. So um, so it's going to be interesting to see how many people push it. But then there's we've got our legacy declines in Australia, so you're going to try and get 
um, the, the lowest uh, emission engines in that profile as possible. So um, that's what we're trying to, problems that we're all trying to solve at the moment, because not only are we adding in emissions, we're adding in heat, where battery can take that away. So it's going to be a mix of technologies for a few years, um, because not one solution um, is fit for every single mine yeah. or for every country in that in that respect either. Good on you, Mel. Hey, it's been great to catch up with you in the crib room. I know we could go into a lot more detail with some of your products and a lot more specs as well, but we've only got 20 minutes and that's all we allow for in the crib room. But thanks very much for taking the time to catch up with us from Sandvik and we're looking forward to seeing what the future does hold, in particular for the Bevs or the Beeves. Um, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in the crib room. Thanks very much for joining us. Good on you. Thanks a lot. Cheers. The Crib Room series of podcasts are produced by Industry Link Media. Subscribe to podcasts via your audio platform and via industrylinkmedia.com. This is a Crib Room Podcast.